BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 126th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend and soon to be on the Jericho Cruise, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, I will tell everyone the first time you go on the cruise and you have to plan everything yourself... And they give you all these options, and because this is COVID times, that you have all these tests and all these documents, uh, you know, all this stuff that you have to deal with. It is so stressful, and you know, <laughs> I am a very calm. You know me; I'm a laid back, relaxed dude. I can get excited about wrestling. Don't get me wrong; in sports, but generally in life. I am very chill, just kind of let life come at me kind of person. But it's so much. Do you want this package? Do you want this drink package? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go on the excursion? If you want to get off the boat, you have to have this document. If you don't want to get off the boat, you got to have this document. Well, you get to leave at this time, but you need to be back at this time, or you could get left in a different country. It's, yeah, you got yeah. to you you make sure you pay attention <laughs> to those times where they're like, you must be boarded after this excursion at this time, or we will leave you. Exactly, and if you're, we're going to take you here to do the the bus tour and if we if you miss the shuttle you're responsible for getting back and it's just 
so much stress. Where am I going to park the, where am I going to uh, stay in the hotel the night before? Where am I going to park the car the days when I'm not there? What kind of car am I going to get? It's just so many decisions that you have to make. Like when I go to wrestling shows, it's like air car, ho- you know, air car hotel. You know? Yeah, and you've done it yeah, so many yeah, times, yeah, you know what to expect. Yes, and it's just like, but I've never done this. Uh, the longest I've ever been on a boat is the. Uh, there's a boat that goes from one of the parks to the other. I can't even tell you which park in Disney. I can't even tell you oh, which park yeah, it yeah, is. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. That's the longest I've ever been on a boat. And I'm Damn, about to be on a fucking sh- hotel, floating hotel. <laughs> are you concerned about being seasick, actually? I g- actually got the, uh, there are these patches that you can put on behind your ear. And I got them prescribed by my doctor. I have them with me. They last 72 hours. I'm only going to be on the boat four days. So I got, I get, I get four patches. So I will be fine, I believe, because it's supposed to help with motion sickness, aka or seasickness. But yes, I would have been very afraid of that because you know you're on the boat. It's not like you can say pull over. You're no, yeah, on the exactly. you're, you're on the boat. Until yeah, the- most most of the cruises we've been on are fine. Well, honestly, like the one time we were on a cruise that was actually like we felt the boat most of the time because most of the time they're so big you don't feel it. Um, was a carnival cruise, and it was one of the reasons why it was like one of our least favorite ones we went on because it just we felt. Like every single movement, I, we felt like every single time, like we were even slightly moving, we could feel it, and it was the only time some of us actually felt seasick, which never happened. Yeah, and so I, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the size of our cabin, you know, and I'm worried. It's just like everything that a person could worry about, I worry about because I've never done it, and this is the unknown, and it's super fucking exciting. Because, you know, it is unknown for me. Uh, but there's a calmness to it because I do know so many people on the boat that are going to be there. I know so many people there. Uh, and, you know, and the whole unlimited drinking package that you get definitely, yeah. definitely helps for me. Because if I ever not, I start feeling woozy, you know, a couple shots calm the old nerves down, you know. So... I'm looking forward to it all. I know I'm going to have a great time. I know y'all don't want to hear about this because I am actually going to probably do like a 30-minute thing that just uh, separate than the show. So I don't just drone on it on the show where I just go over everything I did on the ship and people can listen to it or not listen to it if they so choose. But I, I plan on with a lot of reports and a lot of love and a lot of pictures from the Jericho cruise. Uh, so many of y'all wish I could come with, but, you know, COVID. All right. Well, I know you're going to enjoy your time on the cruise. I have had a very strong weekend after one of the worst experiences with my new job, uh, being once again out in the rain for high school football and getting poured on and then proceeding to have issues with my camera because of the rain. I then traveled to Chicago on Saturday to go see 21 Pilots in concert, and it was freaking amazing, and I love those guys so much, and the concert was awesome. I was right up front in the pit. It was so much fun. Uh, so my, I've been all over the place with just how um, my weekend's been, but it's all good now because I'm back home. I got another concert on Monday, and i just been just cruising recently, so 
yeah, that's that's how my week is going, if y'all have been wondering. Yes, and I looked at you throwing up some stuff, and I saw Sydney took some pictures, and y'all took some pictures together. I mean, okay, I don't know. How is a 21 Pilots crowd? Are they fairly nice? I mean, because when you're in the pit in some of those places, you you got to come with uh, your shoulder pads on and ready to fight. So yeah. I'm, yeah, so so we this is our second time seeing them in concert, and both times have been in the pit. The first time was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a little bit more of a smaller venue, but it's still an arena. I would call it like more like a Sears Center style. This was at United Center, and with it being in Chicago, um, this was a lot more of a intense crowd, I would say, for them. But the fans are all, for the most part, very nice people. Um, but it was very cramped in the pit. Uh, Sydney actually had uh, a bit of a claustrophobic moment, uh, which she was not prepared for. So in the middle of the show, we ha- like I could see her about to pass out, and I was like, we're getting you out of here. So she got out of the pit. Uh, I lost her by trying to get her out of the pit because I got cut off by her, but I was able to lead her at least towards where she needed to go. Some nice woman then allowed her to sit like off to the side Um uh, to catch her breath and then they called security over and then she went backstage to get an ice pack and calm down um, and then eventually after taking a little break and feeling better she went to the way back of the pit where there was way more room for the rest of the show um, and because of that it was honestly a blessing in disguise because by the time that Tyler and uh, Josh got into the crowd for their little moments because Josh will get on the drums held up by, a, by the fans on a platform and Tyler will be held up by the fans in the front row uh, they were they were flying like like swarming him like at that and she would have gotten trampled 100 percent so I'm glad she wasn't there but also Tyler ran back to the back of the pit to get on this giant stage at one part of the show and she got out a high five from Tyler uh, the lead singer at that part of the show which is freaking cool because I didn't do that because I was not at that part of the pit. But, well, that sounds but, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it 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 honestly worked out. I just told her like I love you for getting us pit because she knew that the first time because the, the first time we saw them in the pit was my favorite concert I've ever been to in my life, and she was like, "Yeah, we're doing that again because you loved it so much." And I'm like, "I appreciate you doing that. You're not going in the pit again because you're just like that wasn't even the worst pit I've been in, and like for Sydney, it was just she. I could see her having so much issues." Um, plus, we'd been there since like four in the afternoon, waiting in line for about two and a half hours. So we were standing for a good amount of time. So she doesn't have the stamina for that. So we are very much only doing pit if either A, we're in the way back, just chilling with all the room, or B, we're just going to not get pit again. I could see that. And, 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 and that's you being a good big brother there. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I know she would continue to do it for you. Even yeah, though, no, she, hey. said she was she was so the, the worst. She wasn't even feeling bad that she was like, like she, she felt terrible. Like I was like, I don't want to ruin his concert experience and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, I could give a fucking shit if that gets ruined. I've seen them before. It's not an issue. Like I wanted to make sure she wasn't going to pass out. Yeah, I, and, and that's what's awesome. Like I said, y'all take care of each other because she's willing to put herself in a situation that she's probably going to be uncomfortable with. So you have the best time. You're willing to take yourself out of that situation. So she has a good time. That's just good brothers and sisters looking out for each other. Yeah, but overall, show is awesome. And yeah, it's I'm I'm gonna see J Cole by myself actually on uh on Monday, and I'm and I'm I'm not gonna be in the pit because I didn't want to shell out so much money for that. Um. But that show's going to be cool, cool as hell, too. Is that in Chicago also? 
No, thankfully it's not because I'm not traveling to Chicago from now on uh, until like I have an extended amount of time off. Uh, this will be in Detroit, so it'll what? be much. What? And I love J Cole. I'm a big, big J Cole fan. Dude, Off Season is one of my top albums of the year right now. Yeah, and it's um, I'm not a big concert goer because I'm always going to wrestling. As you can see, it's kind of like kind of got to pick. You know what I mean? It, it really is for me. Exactly. You, yeah. you kind of got to pick, so I choose to go to wrestling. But uh, yeah, I would definitely see him in concert. And then, like I said, I'm not a big concert goer, so that should, you shouldn't understand the compliment that that is to any artist. Because if I go see you in concert, that means there's probably a wrestling show I can't go to because I'm seeing you in concert. He's one of those people I would. Uh, my bucket list is Eminem, though. It's one. Same, dude. It's fucking it's, same. The bucket list is one whole person. It is Eminem. I would. I want to see him in concert so bad. Uh, when he was big in touring and stuff like that, you know, I was broke. <laughs> I was a broke. I wouldn't say college age student. I was a broke college age student, so I couldn't afford to go to shit. So I would really, really love to see Eminem in concert if he just loves a farewell tour. It makes me really want to go to the Super Bowl. Just to see him there. Just to see him and Dream. Yeah, Kendrick yeah. Like, and it, like, it doesn't matter who the teams are. I just want to see uh, Eminem because I've never that seen him live. That would be the same for me, honestly. Yeah, I've never seen him live. Uh, I strong feeling Kansas City's not going to be there this year. Not giving up on my team, but we don't play defense. Just a thing. That and Mahomes is getting a little too cocky with his throws, to be fair. He's making some throws he shouldn't be making. I... I, I I feel like he's making some throws he shouldn't be making because his receivers aren't catching the routine throws. Okay, fair enough. I think the lack of help that he's getting around him is causing him to press, and I think we need to get the reins back. I think we need to – our offense is a West Coast short pass offense, and, you know, initially. And, you know, when he came, we started throwing the deep ball, and we, I think we relied on it too much, and teams are trying to take it away again. Yeah, so, but enough enough sports, side talk. Sports, yeah, sports, that was sports, sports and, blah, 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 and everything blah. like yeah, that. Yeah, but we'll get to everything, all things elite. Right now, we've got a lot to talk about. Of course, Friday night rampage, and then a special Saturday night dynamite took place. So we're gonna get to all of that. Before we get into the show, though, make sure you guys are continuing to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, be sure to give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We'd be forever appreciative if you do that. But the easiest way to support us is on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex of the guys that make this show possible, and check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the big news of the week that we want to talk about with AEW was that the World Title Eliminator Tournament was announced and the bracket was showcased where it will finish off in full gear for the finals and will have a new number one contender to face either Kenny Omega or Hangman Adam Page for the AEW world title. And Floyd, I believe, do you have the bracket with you and can you go through it? Yes, give me just a second. I had it right in front of me. I've taken plenty of screenshots of it. So I'm just pulling it up on my phone real quick. All right. I, awesome. I, I am a tournament. A like, I don't like the term mark, really, because 
you know, they just Mark is just fan. You know what I mean? But I yeah. am a big fan of tournaments. So when they, I was really announced the brackets, some people put out their own brackets of tournaments. And I have to say, some of the creative brackets got me really excited. And, you know, they used a good background and good font. So I thought it was the actual AEW bracket. And I was really pumped up. And then I found out it wasn't real, and that annoyed me. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, so the... Uh, First one is Dark or uh the first round we on the left side I'll call it Dark Order 10 and against John Moxley and then we got two people that will be on the boat Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs and on the other side of the bracket the right side we got the Natural Dustin Rhodes versus Brian Danielson and then and uh, big me, big men slapping meat challenge of the first round. We got the murder hawk, Lance Archer. Everybody dies against Eddie Kingston. Oh my God! And they have both put it out there that it's not going to be a wrestling match. You're not going to see wrist locks and headlocks. It's going to be a fight. It is going to be a fight to move on to the next round to fight the other guy. And I love how this bracket set out. Honestly, if you're very knowledgeable about the product, I feel the finals. This is like, because I was like, I wanted to do a bracket. I, but honestly, it's pretty easy to tell who the uh, finals is going to be if you just watch the show. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like it's it's very much looking like it's going to be John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. And predictable is not bad. I will no. tell anybody that. If it's right, it's right. You know they're going to put on some badass matches leading to that. And then you know their match is going to be badass. I will be there live for it at Full Gear in Minnesota. That's going to be awesome. And it continues a tradition. Last year, they did a title eliminator match at Full Gear, which was Kenny Omega and Hangman, and the winner got a title shot, and that was Kenny Omega, who then took that title shot, and at Winter is Coming, uh, defeated John Moxley to become the new champion. So the Eliminator Tournament, the, uh, the October-November Eliminator Tournament, it's pretty much becoming the AEW version of the New Japan Cup. Yeah, and like honestly, I'm I'm all for that. And again, like yeah, the the fact that the the finals is pretty predictable is not a bad thing because like it just makes you just eat or just waiting for the finals to be made and then like we get the match and it's going to be a crazy blow off. Um and again, like AEW is not the kind of company that would like see that like oh, fans are already figured out what the what we're building towards. Let's change it to kind of swerve them. Uh, because that's just getting in the way of like something that fans really, really want to see. So I'm I'm all for this tournament. Uh, every time they do it, it's always great. And considering that it's very likely that we're going to be crowning a brand new champion at full gear, uh, having a tournament decide who the first number one contender is for that new champion possibly would 100% be the best way to have a first title defense for that. Yeah, and I think I'm going to try to make a tradition to – Go to whatever, you know, whenever they do the match, whatever match they announce, however far they announce, if they announce it far enough in advance, try to go to whoever wins the Eliminators match. Because last year, again, I was that winner is coming. So that would be great. 
And there's a chance I might be at the match because if you look at how much time was between Full Gear last year and Winter is Coming, it pretty much lines up with them doing it on December 1st or the 8th. Now, honestly, if I'm going with what makes sense, December 8th is that in Long Island, the USB show, uh, UBS show? I think so. I think so. Yeah, so I imagine that's where the finals are going to be. But I'm going to be at the show December 1st to uh, with our celebrating our contributor Tiffany's 40th birthday. She doesn't mind me saying that. I was a man and I asked her before I said that. Her 40th <laughs> birthday on December 1st. And we're going to be celebrating it at Dynamite in Duluth, Georgia. So we hope to see y'all there. But it's just, yeah, I want to see how this goes, how this uh, how this uh, continues in AEW history. Because Tony Khan is really set on making tent poles, like things you can count on, like, you know, when All Out is and what city it's going to be in. Double or Nothing's probably going back to Vegas next year. You know, he's doing the uh, – he's doing the uh, – pre-night pre-thanksgiving show in chicago he's got his tent poles that he's setting up so it looks like this eliminator leading into full gear with the title shot happening shortly after full gear seems to be another uh tent pole another day that he's setting up for AEW fans to look forward to every year yeah and i am all for that but we're gonna real quickly now get into the first show of the week for AEW, which was rampage as Dynamite was on Saturday night. And we have to talk about the buy-in because with everything that happened with SmackDown extending their show to try to compete with AEW, uh, AEW has responded with the buy-in to be going head-to-head with Friday Night SmackDown. So the matches, we'll get right into the first match of the buy-in, which was Tay Conti versus Santana Garrett. And this was a fun women's match. Tay Conti is one of those girls that has consistently been all over the place having bunches of matches for the women's division. She's one of those people that I think are just really reliable. And her friendship and partnership with Anna Jay has been great. And Tay Conti was able to get the win against Santana Garrett, and that was the right decision. And, uh, yeah, that was my thoughts on that match. We'll go to Floyd real quick on that. Yes, it was a great win for Ty Conti, uh, showing her in a dominant fashion. And, you know, it happened where you were going to have a lot of eyes on it. You know, dark and dark and dark, uh, dark and dark elevation are great shows. But sometimes, you know, you need a little shot in the arm. And this Biden was shot in the arm because a lot of people tuned into it. Um, way more than usual because of the main event of the show. So I like to see what they're going to do with Ty going forward. Yes, the next match on the buy-in was Bobby Fish versus versus Lee Moriarty. Now, Lee debuted on Dark the week before, and Bobby Fish had his first match against Brian Danielson where he lost. This was pretty much set up so Bobby Fish could get a win to kind of even out his record. Um, and Bobby looked great in this. Uh, Lee also has a lot of upside. He was recently uh, just announced to be all elite, so that's great for him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty solid match that had a good amount of technical wrestling. Bobby has conti- continued to kind of set himself uh, apart a little bit from Undisputed Era, which has been, like, so tied to him for the last few years. Um but I think Bobby's got such upside, and he looked really good. Lee also looked strong in this match, too. 
Um, but this was a nice little uh, prelude to the main event of the buy-in, though. Yes, uh, Lee Moriarty is slowly becoming one of my favorite up-and-coming wrestlers. I know he's been. Uh, I know he's been around the Indies for years, and people have seen a lot of his matches. I have not seen as many of his matches as say other people would, and but every time I see him. He has the style that is unique, seemingly to him. I don't know anyone that wrestles the way he wrestles, and it's very exciting, and it makes you look at it. I don't know if he has it all the way yet, but I feel like he does. You know what I mean? He he has that moments that you don't want to take your eyes off of him. Bobby Fish is a pro's pro, so this match was a pro's match, and you know, Bobby Fish won. Uh, but I, I'm like, I think they got some plans for Liam Moriarty going future. Even though he was announced kind of signed with AEW, he did the handshake with Tony Khan, a la uh, Triple H with the NXT people. He finally, after this match, he got the uh, Lee Moriarty is all elite on the AEW page. So it is official. Daniel Garcia is actually on the AEW page yet. I don't think he's officially signed with the company, but he's kind of like, you know, like a preferred talent. He's someone they use all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think he's got a lot of upside to him as well. And hopefully uh, we get to see more of him and how he grows in AEW. But we'll finish off the buy-in super quickly before we get to the main show of Rampage. Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. Holy shit, this match was given away on YouTube. That's just insane to me. This right here was such a dream match like a match that you really thought like man wouldn't it be crazy to see these two go at it the crowd was hyped for it the start of the match when they were just facing off against each other they smacked the shit out of each other brian danielson at multiple times was just one forearm shot to the side of the head and then he would just drop because of how physical he was in this match and how physical i think like because we'd seen of course the how physical Minoru Suzuki is. And like, you would think like, Oh, maybe a couple points. He kind of leaned off a little bit just because he was in AEW instead of new Japan. No, these two guys like literally went at it as if they were in new Japan for like a strong style match. Cause they beat the shit out of each other. And Brian Danielson got the very convincing win. And it still blows me away how good this match was. And it, freaking was a given away on youtube like that's still nuts to me so like even if you didn't have cable you could see this match in its entirety and it was so so good like i i can't i can't tout over how good this match was i was blown away at how much they just smacked each other this was a new japan never open weight match g1 match uh I, I've said it before on the show that G, um, Brian Danielson has been open about wanting to work the G1 for uh, G1 for New Japan and just work in Japan. Man, AEW brought Japan to him, and this was his G1 match, and they knocked the living shit out of each other. It was everything you want from a Noro Suzuki match. Oh, my God, you know, Daniel Bryan trying to trade strikes with him, hitting him with the kicks, and Minoru Suzuki leaning in and then laughing at him because he's not hitting him hard enough. And then Brian Danielson, you know, catching him one good time, and Minoru Suzuki's whole facial expression would change. Like, dude, this you knocked the shit out of me. And then they were trading 
trading forearms because they were doing kicks and forearms. So Daniel, you know, Brian Danielson tries to control forearms and Norris Orlesley just lays one in. And man, Daniel Bryan, talk about a sell job. Man, I thought he was out. He just flat faced it. And it was like, man, these dude, two dudes are amazing. This was, I mean, this was Brian Danielson like you've never seen him, you know, in a, well, and you haven't seen him in a long time. Now, I want to be 100% uh, other than watch, going back and watching a few matches. I never saw the American Dragon at its height before WWE. I knew about him. I'd heard the tales of him, but I'd never seen the matches. So this time outside and after WWE, and I'm seeing the viciousness of the American Dragon, I see why people would have missed it for that long time while he was in WWE. Uh, this uh, wrestling was so physical, like literally tr- like two dudes just trying to hurt each other, uh, and it was great. It was great. It was probably – if. It'll be the best YouTube, best AEW YouTube match by far. I don't ever think it'll be anyone will even be close to it. Yeah, no question about it. And yeah, also I gotta say, um, you pulled what CM Punk did this this week. Uh, you you called him Daniel Bryan when Punk also called him uh, called him Daniel Bryan. Is like I'm just gonna call him Dragon, and then also was like CJR. Like now people can stop going after you. Because I did the same thing. Yes, and that was and it was crazy for him to say, but it meant so much because I tell people this all. I, I've been yelling this. I misspeak all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. I don't care if it's your job. If you have people that are changing names and characters so much. Malachi Black from Alistair Black. You know, Brian Daniels, the Daniel Bryan. That is Brian Danielson, the Daniel Bryan, or, you know, other way around. So they're so similar. It's easy to flip them around. It's just with a lot of these wrestlers, they have changed names. He has known them by other things. And it's really, really hard to keep in track what name they're going by now, even if it's your job. I yeah. know, I know, uh, I know Excalibur doesn't mess up. It doesn't speak to JR not being good. It speaks to Excalibur being exceptional. Yes. That's what I'm like. That's like you're looking at it the wrong way. Praise Excalibur for being ex- exceptional. Don't g- look on JR for just being freaking human and being in his 60s. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this happens. This shit happens because they are reacting naturally. This is not a script like, you know, some other places he's worked. This is natural reactions to things that are happening in front of him. 100%. But with that little thing, we'll get into the main show of AEW Rampage, which kicked off with my boy CM Punk going one-on-one with Matt Seidel. Now, this match was so much fun for me. Um, Punk had a lot more of offense put on him by Matt Seidel than I think a lot of people would have fully thought. And his knee was also just really cranked uh, consistently. Um, But despite the fact uh, Punk was able to still do really, really well, um, there was a great spot where um, he tries for a third – he he goes for three uh, body slams in a row ends up not working out, and then he gets beat up for a while, but then proceeds to get the third body slam finally as he hits it on the uh, apron, which I thought was also really, really good. Um, Punk 
still, I know people will be talking about like, oh, he's getting blown up already. And I know he said in an interview too, like it's taken a little bit of time and uh, for him to like just get used to the cardio of everything again. And I mean, hell, we got Roman Reigns out here being like he's lost a step, which okay, bro, we get what you're doing. Uh, but again, I still can't even believe after seven years how he still does look good. Like, yes, he's not the same guy he was back when he was in his prime. That's for sure. I mean, he's been gone for so long, and he's not been in the game for that for that for for a while. And it's only been his fourth match too. So, I will say to the people that think, oh, he's washed, he can't do this anymore already, which I know that y- y'all people exist, and I don't like y'all. Um, again, it's 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 going to be, it's literally, he said, like riding a bike, and he still looked good. He hasn't looked bad in any of his matches that he's had, and I think as he gets into it, y'all are going to see some match of the year candidates from this guy, and I promise you, it will fucking be amazing, and I will be screaming, I told you so, from the highest mountaintops when it happens. Well, the biggest thing for me with Punk is this. You have to think about what he has come back to. He has come back to a schedule where he's working once a week. Now, if you think about where he was before, he would be back and he would be working during the week, house shows, blah, blah, blah. You're going to get in shape faster when you're working more matches. Because he's only working once a week and he's doing it on national TV, you are seeing him getting in shape as it goes. So please don't judge him how he looks right now. Judge him how he looks in February. You know what I mean? Because he has to get some matches under. Let him get 10 matches under him before you say he lost a step. He went away, you know what I mean? And CM Punk is not, you know, big. CM Punk is good, but he's not super character work. He's not going to be like waving his hands and doing magic tricks or some bullshit or, you know, you know, talking to the crowd a lot. He does. He keeps it up, but he's not a ton of character work. So it really is about his actual physical motions in the ring with the wrestler. That's how he tells the story. I thought he told a really good story with Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel is faster and more athletic than him. That's how the match played out. He's bigger yeah. and more physical. He was body slamming the shit out of him, you know, and he reversed the move, caught him, hit him with the GTS. I don't see how that, if TM Punk was quote unquote in shape, how that match plays out too much differently than it did. Yeah, and the reversal was great. And also, Again, I will say too, like, it's not even like we're, we're we're talking about like, oh, he's like people are saying like, oh, he's looked bad. They're being like, oh, he doesn't look like what he used to be. No fucking shit. But again, the thing that you need to keep in mind is not the fact that he like because he doesn't look bad. He still looks really freaking good. He doesn't look like now. Yes, he doesn't look like somebody like Brian Danielson who's still like absolutely on fire. But again, Brian Danielson's still been in the game this whole time. Like, Punk has not. So let's keep that at a minimum. And again, I will be screaming at y'all the moment he gets into a feud where it's like blood feud or if they actually decide to turn him heel somewhere down the road and like when the 
the love fest kind of starts to wear. They end up turning him heel, and then he runs roughshod through people. Um, y'all can expect me to be screaming, I told you so, because I will, as loud as I possibly can. But Punk is still great. He was my favorite part of this show. That's as simple as it's going to go. Well, he, then, I, I have a feeling that anytime he's on the show, he's going to be your favorite part of the show. Yes. Oh, the okay. only time he the only time he won't be is if he's on commentary because that'd be cheating. Yes, that would be cheating if I said that. We then had Ruby Soho going on one on one action against the Bunny, who she's been having a lot of issues with the Bunny and and uh, uh, Penelope Ford. She uh, went in this match and uh, it was a pretty d- decent match, I would say. Uh, she was able to get the win on the bunny thanks to uh, getting a nice little backside pin. Backside pin. Penelope Ford then continued to get herself in and save uh, and help out Bunny by beating up Ruby Soho from behind. And then she drops her with the brass knuckles that she pulls out and just beats her up with that. Um, again, this match was pretty solid. It's a nice little cool down before the main event and a nice little match to give you a little breathing room, I guess. Um, and I think like, yeah, the storyline that's been going on with Ruby right now with the bunny and how she's been like just having issues with them is solid enough. Um, I think it's just because we're just trying to get people some wins before the TBS tournament starts happening for the TBS championship, where I think people are going to really see a lot of Ruby Soho and like what she has to offer, like in matches that have a lot more weight to them. So yeah, I, but again, like Ruby looked great. Uh, Allie, the bunny looked great too. Um, but this was a nice, solid, decent match. Yes. Um, I completely agree. Uh, Ruby, uh, I heard uh, on a show I was listening to, I don't remember which podcast it was, and they said Ruby just has this thing about her. When you look at her and she's smiling and she's happy, you just want to root for her. She yeah. has it. Uh, you know, she has it. And I was looking at it and I was like, I kind of watched the back and I was like, that's exactly it. She just, for someone that's all tattooed and, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and a lot of things that go along with tattooed people. She just seems really approachable and really friendly. And you just want to, like, hug her and be her friend. Like, yeah, dude, like I said, when when, when I saw her on Up, Up, Down, Down, she was nothing like I would have thought she was yeah. at all. You just think she's just like all punk and mean. You know, all the different stereotypes you've been led to be people with as many tattoos as she has has. But she's not anything like that. And it's such a it's such an energy and such positive. And I know she could go heel and she could kick ass for being a heel. But I have never, I never thought about how much I would love her as a face. And she is a really, really good face right now. And I'm really enjoying her match. And I really hated the Bunny and Penelope Ford when they punched her in the face with brass knucks after the match. It was like all oh, the pretty girls, you know, the pretty girls holding her down. I'm not, I'm not saying Ruby's not pretty. I'm, I'm not. I'm really not. I know. But I know. you know that the, the stereotypical. I, I was talking about the characters they kind of represent. They're knocking her down with the brass knucks. They're bullying her. And you just want to see her rise up. I even had that moment where I was like, man, are we going to see Sarah Logan in AEW? Because somebody's going to have to have Ruby's back eventually. And I'm looking forward to all of that. But I'm just saying she just has this personality. And I have to let everyone know. So there was some ratings talk today. And it has to be about this match. So SmackDown ran the extra 30 minutes. Everyone knows. uh, Commercial free. And apparently Ruby... And the bunny went up against the went uh, went up against uh, Roman Reigns' segment, right? 
Yep. And they tied him. That's so fucking cool. That so and, fucking cool. It's, they 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 tied the segment with him, and of course you got a bunch of you know Ruby rides the new tribal chief and the bunny draws <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But it does say a lot. The a you know WWE did this. AEW didn't hot shot anything. They ran the regular rampage show. They had their matches planned and they stuck to what they did, and they still hung with WWE, who literally put arguably their two biggest stars up against a women's match in AEW. You know? Yeah. And the women's match, the fans hung. This is not saying anything negative about WWE. It really isn't. It's just talking about the passionate fan base that AEW has. It's like, would you and rather... And how good ha- AEW's been yes. recently. Yeah, would you rather have 10 million, uh, 10 million, uh... Ten million casual fans, or would you rather have a million passionate fans? I'm taking a million passionate fans every day because they're going to show up no matter what. Football being on TV, baseball being on TV, you're going to have these people showing up no matter what. And the AEW's core passionate fan base, man, you can put them up against anybody because they're going to really, really bring it. They brought it uh, tonight. I mean... Of course, SmackDown outdid them in total numbers, but when you did the breakdowns, the numbers that people care about, AEW and SmackDown were neck and neck. AEW beat them in some things. SmackDown beat them in some things. I'm going to be, you know, 100% transparent. You know, it wasn't a clean sweep, but it was so close. And if you look at what was in that last 30 minutes of SmackDown, which included the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar confrontation and contract signing, and Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks compared to what was on in the same period of time for AEW, you have to consider it a win. I'm not even trying to, to spin it, but you have to consider it a win. Yeah, because again, like think about what what we're saying here again. It's it's AEW going up against freaking SmackDown. It's going up against SmackDown Live. So like it's going up against four WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, it's on Fox. Fox Sports One, and it's four WrestleMania main eventers in that thirty minutes. Exactly. You know, you put it like that. They're the big shot. You know, against Ruby and who's very talented, got her fan base. The Bunny, very talented, has her fan base. But their fan bases are nowhere near as large as what the other four on a uh, SmackDown. So it's a passion for them and the brand. You know what I mean? That's what you have to see, the combination, the interest in storylines, the fact that you know it's not going to be like a minute-and-a-half match, that it's they're going to get time to work, and there's going to be a result, and there's going to be a consequence to the result. That is what matters. That's what wrestling fans look for. 100%. And we'll get to the main event now of AEW Rampage for this week. The Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and the TNT champion, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, faces off against Men of the Year, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky, and his pro wrestling debut, former UFC champion, Junior Dos Santos, with American top team at their side, and Dan Lambert, with their bodyguard as well, Jorge Masvidal, at ringside. And then in, in the front row of the show, was Austin Vandervoort, uh, Vandervoort uh, Paige Van Zant, and Dalton Rosta from 
American Top Team in the front row. So, and they were in Miami, which is American Top Team town, and these people fucking hated American Top Team. And we'll talk more about it too on Dynamite because they made an appearance there as well. But in this match, though, first off, got to talk about how over Sammy Guevara is as the TNT champion. It's so great to see. Jericho did some great stuff in this match as well. Uh, Junior Dos Santos uh, in his appearance was okay, I would say. He was okay. Very physical, very broad. Uh, he brought it. He's green as far as how to uh, be a wrestler. But I thought, you know, you saw the building blocks of what can be a really good professional wrestler. I don't know. Great. I'm not going to put any kind of ceiling or floor on what he can be because, you know, this man, when he put his mind to it, became the world champion of UFC. I imagine when he puts his mind to wrestling, you know, he he's going to be pretty successful because there's a lot of components in both of those, you know, that lead to being great. He has a tough look. He has a pedigree. Man, him up, him up against uh, Jake Hager, he's willing to sell for people smaller than him. That yeah. is super important. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of things there. You know, Jake Hager got the best of him by putting him in through that table, and that dude sold the shit out of it, and it was great. And, you know, the ending, one of my favorite UFC fighters, just because, honestly, I've always said he was a professional wrestler in UFC. That dude could talk shit and cut promos with the best of them. Jorge Masvidal hitting the flying knee on Jericho. Oh, my God. I just thought this was an excellent match. Shout out to Paige Van Sant. Taking a selfie in the ring on the bot, like in front of the laying body of Chris Jericho in the inner circle. I she has something, she has something. I like you definitely, you definitely don't mind looking at her. I don't, I don't mind to have to say that. I, 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 I don't think I'm breaking uh, any fourth walls or anything saying you don't mind looking at her. Nah. Very, very attractive person. Was a lot willing to play along with the show because Jericho took a shot at her. Uh, I did love CM Punk's punk uh, comment in that. He's like, I wouldn't even touch you with your husband's penis. He's like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and we'll talk about that entire promo, too, uh, when we get to Dynamite. But, yeah, yeah, no. There's something there, and I think the wrestlers and um, Tony Khan has noticed something because they've gotten her more involved uh, recently with American Top Team stuff uh, when they're on AEW television. But, yeah, no. American Top Team are mega over his heels, and it works so well. Like, these guys have done so well, and it makes me especially happy for um, uh, Men of the Year, but more so Scorpio Sky, because I love Scorpio to death, and when he's with Ethan Page, as a heel, he tends to be a little bit understated because of how good of a heel Ethan Page is. But despite that, and we'll talk about his stuff on the promo too in Dynamite as well, but being around American Top Team and uh, Ethan combined, like he instantaneously becomes better as a heel because of the people that he's surrounded with. And it works so much better to get these two over as a unit as well. Because, I mean, I knew, me personally, it was so hard to see him as a heel when he turned. And I was like, I'm willing to give it a chance, but it's worked so well now because of being them being with American Top Team and because of him being with Ethan Page. Not saying that he can't do heel stuff and he needs everybody else to do it for him, because that's not true at all. But 
being around these people, I think he's become a better heel being around such great heel magnets like these guys. Like the, these guys are heat magnets like no other. Scorpio Sky is a very laid back personality. He is. Yes. Just like if you see, he has a lot of energy and stuff, but he is very laid back, very chill, very confident man. He he is. I mean, his confidence when you if you're within five feet of him, that dude knows he's really really good at wrestling. Right, he just like he knows and that energy comes off. Sometimes that cockiness does not represent itself in a heel and wrestling character format. So you need somebody that's a little more over the top to you know bring that out of them. Ethan Page, I I have been crying out loud about how big of a badass heel he was. Uh, his years in Impact Wrestling, when, and that's when I kind of first discovered him. And then from the, uh, I believe it was a Dark Side of the Ring, or it was some kind of, no, it was a Vice TV thing, or my uh, where they did a documentary, and he was being healed to Darby and throwing him around in a body bag. I was like, this dude is a million-dollar heel. He really is. He can make you hate him in the way he dressed, the way he talks, the way he looks, his expressions makes you hate him. And then Dan Lambert, dude, I think he gets this business better than a lot of people that have been doing it their whole life. Absolutely. And it's just he's a heat magnet. He doesn't want to be liked. He's not trying to be cool. He's not trying to be anything. He just wants you to boo him, and he just wants you to hate him. And people's like, he has go-away heat. No. He not has, even close. He has actual heat. That is called actual heat. You're not used to it because you're used to your heels trying to be cool. Yeah, this you're dude, Yes, this dude is the devil, and he doesn't mind being the devil, you know. He, but the most important thing that it comes from every heel that makes a heel great is he thinks he's right. He's yeah. he's saying this to help you because you're all idiots and you need him to lead you the right way. Oh my god, I love it. You I mean my friends know I I love being a heel. I love the heels. I love playing it up. I sometimes troll and heel on my friends and they hate me for it. <laughs> you know, but God, I, I just love the art of being a heel, and he has that art down. So Dan Lambert has quickly become one of my favorite wrestling personalities. Yes, and that was AEW Rampage and how it wrapped up, and it was a really strong show. And shout out to the buy-in too, because that had one of my favorite matches recently. That freaking Brian Danielson Minoru Suzuki match was so good. Like I've, I, I love that match. We'll quickly move over to AEW Dynamite on Saturday. And, of course, again, my boy CM Punk was on commentary, and he killed it. He did some great stuff. He helped uh, – I think he really helped back up uh, JR from all the people that were giving him shit for the recent amount of time, so I'm glad he did that. Um, also, we must talk about the uh, – so I'm just going to point the elephant of the room. Uh, two things, first off. One was uh, Kira Hogan, any relation – and then the second one, actually, we'll get to later, but uh, I love just how they were like, I don't think a lot of them knew how to take that and like where they were going to go with it. But I loved how he just brought that up and everyone was just like, mm. And then uh, uh, he said to Ben Hogan, no. Is the, uh, Excalibur is so quick. 
He's just so fucking quick. quick. He's so quick. They just came like to you know to Ben Hogan, Hogan's heroes, and, and then Jr. was like, oh, you know, keep going. Uh, it was hilarious because it was very uncomfortable. That's it. It was that's what made it hilarious. Is that it was kind of a very uncomfortable moment. Yes, and Punk is willing to do that kind of stuff to really just push at people a bit, and I think it's freaking awesome. So yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was that was brilliant. Brilliant. And, th- th- and that's the thing with Punk. Jericho, no problem with Jericho at all. I want to state that. But he kind of yells when he... Uh, yeah, he has, but J- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he takes it. CM Punk is a very quiet confidence, and he's going... You have to pay attention, because he's going to throw in a reference that you don't get or you do get really quick. The Serena Deep thing. Yes. Oh my God, that was my favorite one. That was yes. great hair. Had a great head of hair on her. Yes, and it's just he he sneaks them in there. I didn't catch that. I actually had to rewind because I saw everybody tweeting about it. I didn't catch it because I wasn't paying my, all the way attention. If I was gonna say, if I was yeah. gonna cheat and say my favorite part of the show, that would have been it right yes. there. Yes. So that was it's just brilliant, and you have to pay attention to the punk because he does use his time to really get the other people over. But he gives the insider shit for the people that likes insider shit. And I, I don't I'm not gonna say he's better than Jericho. I prefer his style to Jericho's. That's I would I would I would agree with that as well. I prefer I would prefer the way that he does commentary to the way Jericho does. Not saying that Jericho's a bad commentator, but just saying that I prefer the way that Punk does it than how Jericho does it. But we opened up AEW Dynamite on Saturday with Dante Martin versus Malachi Black. And this was a very strong match. Although I have to ask, though, because I didn't necessarily know where it was going because of how the finish went. When when Malachi Black had issues with his like either his ribs or his stomach, and he was selling it for a little bit of time, um, and then like Dante Martin then got a little bit of offense, and then but that quickly fe- finished off with the back heel kick, which finished off the match. Uh, was that supposed to happen, or did he like accidentally swallow the mist or something? Because I couldn't tell what was supposed to happen. Yeah, sorry, I had to open the door. But yeah, um, he, he, you know, he had issues with his ribs. You were asking what was supposed to happen there. Yeah, because I was like, did he either a sell a rib injury, but then just still won the match regardless, or b did she have did he have an actual like something hurt him, or c did he accidentally like have mist in his mouth and then swallowed it? I think he had a rib injury. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know, know if he was selling it or if it was, uh, I don't know if it was real, but, you know, he was, he gave Dante Martin so much in this match and made him look so, 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 so good. And now, Dante also, I got to say, his selling in this match was superb because his leg was getting warped like the whole match. And when he was selling, like, I think there was like a knee bar at one point that he was really selling and him trying to springboard off of stuff on one foot was insane to me. I, for, I just like, that doesn't seem like crazy to me, but when I see it, I'm like, how the fuck can someone springboard on one foot? Yes. The dude is athletic. You just see how high he gets on both feet. Yes. That one foot is, he's so great. And how the finish happened with him, like, hurting himself and then getting kicked in the face. I just thought it was brilliant. And then Malachi Black, he's in the zone. He was probably, he was always this good. Now, always, th- yeah. This is, 
You're just seeing it. This dude was always this good. I saw him in one match in progress like years ago before he signed with WWE. And I was like, oh, God, this, this dude's one of my favorite wrestlers. One match. One match. That's how, to me, how impactful of a person and a persona he is. And in this match, it was just like, hey, you're winning, but make him look good. And, oh, my God, he made him look good. Dante Martin looked like a star in the making. He looks like somebody that you could, you, he looks like somebody you could build a company around in five years. You know, he looks like that next generation of star. And it, it came from Malachi, and then he's going off after he beats him, and then he gives him the nod. Like, I respect you for trying. I respect your talent. Oh, my God. I thought that was everything. It was so subtle, but it was everything. Yeah, and I, I mean, I saw... Malachi Black win the NXT championship against Andrade at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. So, And that match was very much overshadowed by the unsanctioned match between Gargano and Ciampa. And I totally understand why it was because that match was insane. But still saw him win the NXT championship. So I can confirm, yes, he's always been this good. But since he moved up to the main roster, he had little to no time, and he was just barely ever on TV if he wasn't either A, in a tag team, or B, just doing nothing. So people, yeah, I'm glad Malachi Black is getting so much love. Um, and yeah, it, this match was a great opener. We then had a backstage interview with Tony Schiavone interviewing Jurassic Express where Young uh, Jungle Boy was going after the Young Bucks and the Super Click saying how the stuff they've been doing. And then the Super Elite themselves, Young Bucks, come out and they super kick uh, Jungle Boy while he, he, Jurassic while uh, Luchasaurus is being distracted by Adam Cole, Bebe. And then, then what happens is then Young Bucks come out, Kenny Omega comes out, Adam Cole, they all start ambushing Jurassic Express with this beatdown. And that was that, so... That quickly moved into the promo we have been talking about. The Inner Circle fully united once again, uh, getting interrupted by American Top Team. And, oh, yeah, again, like we said, massive fucking heat. And this is where we got Paige Van Zant uh, getting uh, involved in this whole situation. And Jericho asks if Paige Van Zant was obsessed with him and, like, are you going to try to slide into my DMs? But he's like, listen, uh, I appreciate that. But he, like he said, I wouldn't even touch you with your with your fiance's dick. Like Jesus fucking Christ! And there was just so much heat and so this felt it felt like Jericho was back in the Attitude Era, cutting promos like this, like just against these group of people, with how crazy of reaction he would get from the stuff he said, and how much heat the heels actually had. Like it felt so Dude. good. Any of those things he said to Paige Van Zandt would get most normal people canceled. Well, like I said, it reminded me a little, like a little <laughs> bit of when he would cut promos on Stephanie back then. But Jericho is so good, and the fans understand that this is a show. Does he mean this? No, it's a show. It's and a show. I, and I, again, I, I, think I, I, about think about it in the context of what happened in the show. Paige Van Zant literally came in while he was getting the shit kicked out of him taking selfies in the ring. Yes. That's yeah, I completely yeah, that's what There's it, context to this, yes, folks. She was not acting like she was not acting like a good person. And Jericho responded in kind. And, you know, and the full inner circle was together. Uh Santana and Ortiz in their uh 
So in their uh, what uh, what's it called? Pre- dead presidents, uh, you know, makeup and everything. Yeah. It's just like I we need that on figures. I, I want to I want to throw that out there. Padawar or a uh, ringside or any of you, if you're listening, we need watch that them on make figures. them chase figures. Watch yeah, them make they, them chase figures. They, they so need hard. to be chase figures. They need to be chase figures. I would, I would figure it out because I got my Chase Lance Archer today. Whoa! There you go. Yeah. I yeah. actually, I, I was so, I was so close to buying a Frankie Kazarian uh, figure I saw in Meyer, but I, I held off because I needed to save some money. Yes, you had. Uh, so you haven't bought the Frankie K. I have not gotten Frankie yet. No, yes. I, well, I have. I have none of the figures. Sydney is the one who has the figures. Yeah, I, I have an extra Hangman. I'm probably going to send to somebody. I don't know who that's going to go to. But I just I realized I bought it again, and I realized I had it. Uh, Frankie, dude, dude. There's like six Frankies at my Walmart, so I'm buying you a Frankie. You can't say okay, about. solid. I yeah, love they, no, they have so many Frankies at our Walmart. They got Frankie and Scorpio. They have like they had like twelve OCD? figures, huh? No, or does CD not have a figure yet? CD does not have a figure yet. CD does not have a figure yet. Okay, uh, fix that. Yes, because they got them the two because they were the tag team champions. So. Yes. So and it was and it's kind of cool that they have it in there. So yeah, I'm gonna definitely pick you up a Frankie from the store. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, but the Dead President. Yeah, but the, yeah, with is the like promo too. Thing. Yeah, and then uh, it's. Sammy is just really over and really energetic. Oh, and my God. And Jake is such a huge presence. I, I, people don't understand how much toughness that adds to the inner circle. Having that 6'5", just behemoth standing behind you, just making, like, very angry faces. And then, of course, hats off to, you know, the uh, America Top Team. It's, they're just good at what they do. And Dan Lambert is like, I'm gonna, you know what? You want to fight us? You want to fight us? I'm going to make stipulations for your title because you want to fight us so bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's heel 101. None of this stuff is outside the box, but he does it so good. He yeah. And again, it. like, and it's again, just, like, they were like, oh, Jericho was like, five on five, inner circle versus uh, uh, American top team. Let's do it. And he's like, no, listen, our focus right now is like, only one of y'all have gold. So, Sammy, are you going to step up and agree to what we're putting down? And Sammy is like, I'll kick the shit out of anyone. And like, uh, like, I, like, it doesn't matter how many of you guys go after me. He just stood up immediately. And then Scorpio again had a really good moment of heel work. He's like, maybe your brain's foggy because of another knee from Jorge Masvidal, but I have pinned the goat not once but twice. So, bleh. He hit, he hit you with facts right there for stuff like that. But this, and that's the this worst thing was so freaking good. And that's the worst thing a heel can do to you and then make you hate them the most when they tell the truth and you can't argue back. Yes. That's good. That's great stuff. Yeah, this segment was absolutely incredible. Um, we're going to move real quickly, though, into the AAA tag team title match between the champions, the Lucha Bros, and Andrade's team of his choosing. Andrade Alido brought out a mass team called Las Superranas. And, and I have to tell instant, you. Instantaneously. They look like. I'm sure, Floyd, I'm sure Floyd felt the same way too. But, Floyd, what was your thoughts seeing them first out? The first thing I saw, I was like, man, look at the physique on these dudes that you can see through the uh, through the full. You, you could see the physique. They looked like 
what I imagine like real men look like. And I was just like, they look like, I was like, man, this might be the greatest tag team in the history of Mexico. And I watched them and I was like, man, let's, let's see what they got. I wasn't sure who it was. Wasn't sure. <laughs> Heard some speculation from CM Punk, but I I'm wasn't pretty sure. sure CM Punk just outrightly said, "Is like okay, like I'm looking at this elephant in the room. Yeah, this is absolutely FTR, and this is ridiculous." And I was, I was shocked. I was shocked by this. You know, as a person that's watched them for years, yeah, I can't tell who they are covered up. No, nope, nope, couldn't figure it out. They're such brilliant. Uh, they're, they're such brilliant men of disguise. Uh, <laughs> Yes, they completely. But their masks were eventually ripped off in the middle of the match. Dude, and it was no, l- l- let's figure. You know, me not being me for a second. Dude, as soon as they did the first exchange, if you didn't know it, if you did not know it from their actual physiques, as soon as they did their first exchange, that's literally the first exchange FTR does with every formidable tag team. Yep. It's like, that's FTR. I mean, <laughs> they do the same exchange, and it's beautiful, and I love it. But yeah, it, it, you wouldn't have questioned it at that point. Yes. Well, the match itself uh, was a very one-sided affair for most of the match, with the Lucha Bros working FTR all the way after they took their masks off and everything. But eventually, Tully Blanchard comes out and runs out, distracts Aubrey Edwards, which gives time for FTR to use one of the Triple A Tag Team titles to use it against Ray Phoenix, and then FTR then proceeds, I believe it was Dax hitting a Brain Buster to win the match, and they become new AAA Tag Team Champions. So, big moment for FTR winning these titles. Um, I wonder how much they'll appear in AAA actually to defend the titles, but we then found out exactly why it was trip. It was FTR being used as uh, the tag team to go after uh, the Lucha Bros, and why Andrade used them. And it was shown backstage that uh, FTR was brought in by Andrade. And he had to get through MJF in order to even use them. Like to pay him basically to use FTR. But I got to ask though. It's like honestly. Because while it was funny. Was there really a reason for them to be a fake team and then unmasked? Like they could have just came out as FTR. No, because he said they were a Mexican tag team. Okay. That was his thing, his tag team from Mexico. And All right. So, yes. Uh, and I I have to tell you, I, I tweeted this out on my page. So, it's proof that me and MJF are friends and that we do hang out. Proof is in the pudding. 8.50 p.m. Central Time, October 16th. FTR is now the greatest tag team in Mexican history. <laughs> On October 17th, 9.43 p.m., Mr. Maxwell Jacob Freedom, MJF, Max, for people that are in the know with him, that hang out with him. Uh, FTR, the greatest luchadors in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah. Did we not say the same thing? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't even argue with you. It's the same thing. It's, it's, I just can't. Yeah. So I'm just saying. When I gave my alibi, a lot of people said, "Hey, you know, maybe you weren't hanging out." The tweet: We're friends. We think alike. We have the same opinions. They were with me. Don't know what happened with Darby. Just throwing that out there. But in this match, 
after uh, a flip and you know a straight punch from uh, straight punch from Dax in the face. You know he did a flip and he punched him right in the face. Some people might have saw a belt going to his face. I don't know. Just watching the match and then the most devastating brain buster that you've ever seen. FTR. I don't even know because there's there's triple crown. There's Grand Slam. What happens when you've held the title in five different companies, five different promotions? Just think yeah. about that. I mean, like that's that's just insane to think of. Yes. So FTR are now your AAA tag team champions. Belt them up, baby. Belt them up. And they're yeah, there they're, they're the they're the tag team belt collectors. Yes, they are the tag team belt collectors. They're gonna get the NWA. They're gonna go to New Japan. They're gonna beat up the Briscoes and ROH. They're gonna go to Impact and run through their division. They're gonna have all the belts before it's all over because they are the greatest tag team of all time. There you go. Body can't guys. argue with it. Body guys. Can't Look at that physique. Whoa! They yeah. Get, I, I was so mad that they hid it under that leotard. God, yeah, people that, would start fainting, man. Yeah, that's what wrestlers look like, baby. That's what wrestlers look like. <laughs> All right, well, we then had a backstage segment with Tony Schiavone interviewing Dante Martin and Leo Rush after Dante's loss to Malachi Black. Leo was like, listen, you got to start listening to me a lot more. I, I've told you, like, your high-flying stuff is great, but it can get you in trouble, and that's what happened when you tried to go for a high-flying move, which then got you a kick to the face. And he's like, listen, you're listening to me from this point on. So, Dante, you're going to have a new tag team partner, which is just myself, Leo Rush. So, Top Flight now includes Leo Rush. So, there you go. I mean, I can't, I don't really know what else to add to that. Floyd, you so, got anything? Uh, most high flying is high flying tag team that ever high flied. I want to see Dante Martin and Leo Rush versus the Young Bucks. No titles on the line. I don't give a crap. I just want them for 15 minutes doing what they do. It's going to be one of the best tag team matches of the year. Yeah. I'm, my only question is that do we know anything that's happened with uh, Darius Martin, though? He is getting healed, and I think that's what this story is leading to. He's trying to replace him. So when he comes back, you have an automatic storyline. Okay. You can either Fine. say Dante's turning on Darius because she's listening to Leo Rush, or Dante tells Leo Rush, up yours, and he goes back to his brother Darius. Either way you want to go with it, whatever you see the trajectory of Dante Martin at that time, it is perfect. You have, I think that's another, you know, great thing about the company. They've set it up where you can go either way, just depending on the read of that tag team. Like if Leo Rush and Dante Martin are going out there just freaking killing it every night and everybody's like, this is the best tag team ever. Tony ain't breaking them up. You know what I mean? But you know, I, I think the ultimate plan is for him to end up feuding with Leo after to turn him back, turning his back on him to his brother. Uh, I, you know what? I like where Leo Rush's head at. I saw an interview today where he said his goal is to be the first black champion in AEW. I, I, you know what? I think Leo Leo Rush is a phenomenal wrestler, and if anyone can do it, he can. I, believe it, I, I am yeah. a big fan of his as a wrestler. Now, you know, he's been going through some things and retiring, unretiring. If he's 100% on focused on wrestling, he is an exceptional wrestler on the level that a lot of people can't match. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think if he sticks to that, he'll be he'll be really freaking good. We then just had a plain squash match between John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta. Like John rushes into the ring, beats the shit out of Yuta in Yuta in like thirty seconds, and then walks out. Yes, uh, I think this is just getting over the more intense, angry side of John Moxley. I think this is the John Moxley you're going to get in a tournament. He's just going to be just aggressive and trying to hurt people. He feels he he got screwed out of his world title. He feels like the new people are in and he's being forgotten, and it's pissing him off. Yeah, and again, um, it it really works too, just because of how like he's mad because he really shouldn't have lost his championship. Uh, he really shouldn't have lost his championship, and he tried to get it back, uh, a chance to get it back in that ladder match, and it's still he still couldn't get there. So he's a very very angry man. Uh, poor Wheeler Yuta, though. Poor Wheeler Yuta, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was on the track and the train was coming through. And I think this was leading to, you know, it was setting up the beef between him and Orange Cassidy. If you look at the terminated bracket, the left side, Moxley may be facing uh, Orange Cassidy in the second round. But I think it was foreshadowing something there. I think so, too. I think so, too. We then had Serena D backstage explaining what her actions were with her attitude change after she beat Hikaru Shida to stop her from getting her 50th win in AEW. And she said, this division has gotten comfortable. They've gotten too friendly. And I had to pretty much drag this division to my level. And immediately Hikaru Shida comes out, starts brawling with Serena Deeb backstage, and then we cut away. So Shida and Deeb are not done with each other, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I've, I, I, I think we needed a feud that wasn't around the title, and this feud might end up being about the title because, you know, whenever they announce the TBS brackets. So, But I do love that. I love that they're doing something with Shida. She's still... The ace of the division. I know Britt Baker's the star of the division, but the ace of the division is Sakara Shida. And, you know, Serena Deeb, phenomenal wrestler. And after their first match, I, I said it and I meant it. I could watch them wrestle every day. So however many matches that I get out of this, I'll just be thankful for it. Yes. And, man... We then follow this up, though, with uh, the trios match between the Dark Order, Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver versus the Super Click, Adam Cole, Bebe, and the Young Bucks. This match fucking rocked. This was so much fun. I have liked a lot of six-man matches in AEW. In the two oh, two years, something existence of Dynamite, I have loved a lot of six-man matches. And I'm not saying this because of recency bias, but I think this is my favorite six-man match in AEW history. I'd say it'd be hard for me to pull like previous ones uh, from my mind, but like this had stuff that I know like is gonna stick with me, just like stuff I can remember. Because like the other trio of matches were awesome, but because of like again because of spot fest like uh, six-man matches a lot of times, like times like you kind of forget like specific moments in the matches because of how much stuff is thrown in there there's stuff in this match that i will remember for a while specifically um of course john silver doing his his thing as always uh nick jackson getting his shoe ripped off by evil uno was awesome uh and then uh the amazing spot where it seems like oh uh the the kiss on the side of the cheek 
from the Young Bucks to um, Adam Cole Bebe was possibly going to happen. But then, nope, it turns out it's John Silver and friends. He's there kissing him, and his face changing after he, that he sees what happens is incredible. And also, fucking Evil Uno, after yanking Nick Jackson's sock, per, I mean, shoe off, proceeds to go Mr. Socko and go Mick Foley on, on Nick Jackson's ass, which was incredible and got a unbelievably great pop from the crowd. It was such a great moment. Despite uh, how good uh, the uh, Dark Order performed, the BTE trigger happened, and then a uh, running knee strike from uh, Adam Cole finishes it off, pinning Alex Reynolds. Then Jungle Boy, still mad after getting jumped by the by the Super Elite, comes out with uh, to the ring and starts chasing off the Super Click, and he brings out a steel chair as well and then beats up Brandon Cutler and Cutler is left to die. Yes. Yes. He is left to die. Uh, this match was brilliant. The kiss, they've actually been kind of building up to it on BTE with John Silver and uh, Alex Reynolds trying to be friends with uh, Adam Cole. And they've been building, you know, and then they've been saying, Hey, you want to kiss a lot? And it's just kind of, it's kind of funny. So they've been kind of building to this moment where they steal the kiss from Adam Cole. Uh, John Silver, I don't think people realize how good this man is as a wrestler. Dude, he's so freaking good. He is so good. He's so electric. Give me Sammy Guevara versus John Silver. I I mean, I know Silver's probably not going to win, but man, that would just be such a high-energy match. This dude just has so much energy. You know, uh, on VTE, uh, 10 is the one that... uh, Plays like he's on cocaine all the time. I feel like it should be John Silver because that dude is. Just you would a think, ball. right? He's just a ball of fucking energy. And Evil Uno's amazing, and Alex Reynolds is amazing, and then you know the other three. I mean, I shit. I run out of adjectives to talk about how good the Young Bucks are. And this match was just everything that you could ask for. I mean, and it gave you plenty of times where you thought uh, you thought they were going to win. Evil Uno uh, hit his finisher. Uh, on on them, and then they broke up the pin, and there was just so many false finishes. Brandon Cutler's amazing. I, I don't I don't let anyone tell you differently. He has a role, and he gets his role, and he plays his role a hundred and ten percent. Don't let anybody tell you any differently about Brandon Cutler. He has been put in a position in a role, and he steals the show when he's out there. It, yeah, no, you know, no question about that it. That dude is—he's a stooge, but he's just—he reminds me of not in the same way, but of Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, where they were the stooges, but they got their own following because they were so good at being the stooges. Brandon Cutler's going to have his own following because he's so good at being a stooge. Yeah, I mean that's—it's that simple. You just—he people know that he's just going to be. He's gonna be the guy that takes the fall, and there, there, no one's gonna save him, and like he's gonna be known as a stooge. And it, it works, it works so well for the character, honestly. It, it works for the character, and he, he just plays it to a T. He's just so kind of despicable, and he's the little brother that's always around, and it, and they're all he's always to blame when they lose, you know, and never gets any of the credit when they win. Yep, exactly. Yeah, but we then had a Cody thing we got to talk about. Uh, Cody shows up with Arn Anderson to the Rhodes Wrestling Academy, and he's there with his brother. And Lee Johnson, Brock Anderson, and uh, Red Velvet, and uh, all these guys are there. 
and they're just focusing in on like how Cody, Mr. Hollywood, he's lost his focus. He's not focused on wrestling. They put him through a bunch of uh, training and they put him through some some ring work and he's getting his ass kicked. And yeah, he talks about how when he was getting beat up by when Arn was getting beat up by uh, Dusty and all this kind of stuff. And he said, it's like, that's hard for me to say, but I had it coming. And Malachi Black has it coming and you need to get your focus back to where it needs to be and yeah so i'll, I'll just go to floyd on this uh little video video segment like i want to know like are you are you I, getting more are you following it completely I, I i freaking love it arn's not trying to turn him heel he is trying to get the aggressive killer side of cody to come out he wants <laughs> murder cody you know, they talk about murder Kota Ibushi when he snaps and he gets this glazed look on his face and he doesn't feel pain and he just kills you. We need murder Cody. We mm-hmm. need Cody to flip that fucking switch and really go after it because unless he goes there, he's never going to be the killer like uh, Malachi Black. I loved it. I love Kylan King getting uh, put out there. Uh, she was one of my favorite extras from the uh the COVID time, so I'm glad she's getting some spotlight. She is Nightmare Family. She has the jacket. I Red Velvet, their connection is still there. She slaps the shit out of them. And they're cheating them and they're roughing them up. Cause what they didn't want him to win the match fair. They were gonna make it where he couldn't win because they needed him to tap into that dark side of him. So I you know, I love it. I think this has legs. I personally, and I know this is going to lean to the preview just a little bit, but I personally think this should have played out to full gear. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, like, I'm interested in what they're going to do because this is going to play out next Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk about that when we get to the review. I'm just, it feels rushed. Like, this segment feels like the middle segment or the second segment of six segments. It didn't feel like the last segment before the match. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? No, yeah. Again, yeah. I think I think there needs to be a little bit more like focus put onto it, and I think more so like, yeah, it did feel a little bit rushed because it was a pre-produced uh, video package. Um, I but mean, I th- maybe put some more videos on YouTube and see it play out a little more. Well, daily. I mean, they have they used to do stuff on like the road twos on like the Nightmare yeah. Family on the Nightmare uh, Family YouTube channel, and like that's where we got that incredible promo, uh, Cody Cut against Dustin Rhodes. So I mean, like, I think ha- putting some stuff on YouTube, I don't think is a bad idea. I mean, Cody's already on YouTube stuff with like Sammy's vlogs and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. So I just think they could do more to let this play out in a more satisfying way because like i said even as a cody fan that's looking forward to the ultimate conclusion to me he's not ready to beat malachi black yet no and it just seems like if he wins saturday it's a mistake not because cody can't beat malachi black it's just the story representative coley hasn't found that dark side yet so Why would he now be able to beat Malachi Black? Yeah, but we'll get quickly into the next segment, which was young MJF coming out to the ring. And he said he was there because he was ready to face Darby Allen. And 
We knew that was not possible because the week before Darby Allen was jumped by the entire inner circle. Whoa. I mean a group Whoa. I mean a group of masked people that we don't know who they are. Thank you, sir. I told you we went over this last week. The inner circle was with me. Me and MJF was discussing our hatred of pores and you know and people were asking for money and we hated them and we drank wine, really expensive wine that you can't afford, and it was great. And I don't know who those guys were to beat up at Darby. They should be arrested, but it was not the inner circle. Thank you. There you go. And uh, first off, I love the line of Punk being like, you know how I know there's not a match happening with MJF? Because Wardlow's not here. And MJF calls out Darby, a gutless coward, because he no-showed. He's like, I guess I did break you mentally. And he's like, wait, Darby was attacked? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. That's awful. And MJF then proceeds to call out for Wardlow to bring out Bryce Rensberg, and he yells at Bryce to count to 10. If Darby doesn't make it to the ring by the 10 count, I am declared the winner. And as he gets up to nine, the lights go out, snow falls, Sting is here. MJF immediately shoves Wardlow to Sting, who then gets hit with the baseball bat, and MJF runs like a scalded dog. Such a great spot. Um, if we get Sting versus MJF, though, I don't know what to think with that because that just seems like, wow, like it's just something I never would have thought. Like a singles match between Dar, I mean Sting and MJF would just seem crazy to me. Um, but even if that doesn't happen, like, and it's just used there to like have Sting be up to back up uh, and help out uh, Darby when he's in need, um, that's fine too. But if we get a singles match between MJF and Dar- and uh, M- MJF and Sting, I'm it's gonna be crazy just to see that. But yeah, Floyd, go ahead with yes. your thoughts on this segment. Yes, I like to point out that MJF did run. He did what any sane person would do when a man with a baseball bat comes out to the ring and tries to attack you. He left. It was called a strategic retreat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Wardlow is Wardlow understands his job. They're not friends. Wardlow's his bodyguard, and when baseball shots are meant to be taken, the bodyguard should take it for the MJF. This is just uh, this old crazy old man comes out here attacking MJF while he's trying to accept his victory because his opponent no showed. I don't understand this. I get MJF. He's one of my favorites, you know. He's, he's, I understand how he feels in this situation. Now he's gonna have to beat up an old guy. That's not good. He doesn't want to hurt a senior citizen, but he's gonna have to mess him up. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, we'll we'll see if that happens. But MJF is not gonna be happy about this. Yes, he's not uh, happy about it because you know he, he you know MJF is a humanitarian. You know <laughs> he uh t- you know. He might not like them that much, but he takes care of the pores. And, uh, you know, now he's going to have to beat up old man. And it's not his fault. His hand okay. was forced. Okay. All right. We had one more backstage segment with uh, the uh, with uh, Anna Jay and uh, Dr. Britt Baker then interrupts the interview, uh, calling her a loser just like the Dark Order because they lost to Adam Cole, Bebe, and the Super Elite. And Anna Jay got very, very tired of her and started beating the shit out of her. And yes, please give me Anna Jay versus Dr. Britt Baker for the Women's Championship. I want that in my life. 
It's that simple. Yeah, you're going to get that in your life. I love Britt Baker. She's an asshole in it. You know? So good. And she's like, oh, my boyfriend's so cool, guys. Yes. uh, Yeah, and it's kind of funny because they're going to wrestle. And it kind of... Kinda feels like we're leading to uh, Jungle Boy versus uh, Adam Cole eventually. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's just so. Kinda, do we get a mixed tag match? Do we get a mixed tag match? Man, that would be kind of cool if we get it. If we don't get it, I completely understand. But I would be completely down. I, I mean, personally, I would main event a dynamite with that mixed tag match. Personally, I, I, I don't, think that'd be fair. I, mean, I yeah, think that'd be fair. I mean, Adam Cole and Britt Baker coming to the ring together versus. Uh, Jungle Boy and Anna J. Oh my There's god. There's just a ton of star power in that match. There's a ton of star power in that match. And it's just like that's I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, those two represent the future of the men's division and the future of the women's actually the present of the women's division and the future of the women's division. I'm just like I, I think that would be great. Uh I would love that. And the duels Panama Sunrises at some point in the match. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. I'd be down. Yes, and then um, we had Kira Hogan going one on one with the super bad girl Penelope Ford. Um, this match was solid, I think. Um, again, it was more so just a match that was put together uh, that kind of led towards after uh, the Muda Lock was put on uh, Penelope. Uh, Penelope Ford put the Muda Lock on uh, Kira Hogan, who taps out, and then Ruby Soho slides into get some revenge on Penelope Ford after getting hit with brass knuckles the, uh, the night before. And the bunny then comes out to help her off the ground, but Ruby then challenged them both to get in the ring. They don't. Uh, so that was kind of there for that. Uh, Kira Hogan, I do think, has looked good in the matches that she's been in, um, though she hasn't really had a story necessarily to keep her like doing stuff in AEW. I think she does well, and I think she can do well. Um, but yeah, this was really there so Ruby Soho could come down at the end of the match and jump Penelope Ford, though. Absolutely, and yeah, I love the heat there. And like I said, with her, with it being more than one, it just seems like it's setting up Ruby to have some kind of partner. I don't know if it's going to be Sarah Logan, Sarah Rowe, whatever she's going to go by, but I just looking forward to whoever it is because it just seems like it's just it's clearly two against one, and it's just, yes she's gonna have to have someone having her back, and that's just kind of the story of AEW. You eventually got to have somebody watching your back. Even Loner Moxley, you know, has somebody watching his back. Yes, and before we got into the main event, we had an in-ring interview with Hangman Adam Page. And I mean, we'll just we'll call this uh, the cowboy shit promo because this is this was his Austin three sixteen. This was declaration of what is to come. Yeah, I would say this 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 is up there with like he's this was his version of Austin three sixteen. This was his version of hard times. Like this this was his match. This was his moment to really solidify himself. Um, despite the fact that like people have been in love with him for the last like year um he talks about how when his friends and them left ring of honor in new japan and they made AEW, he believed they could change the world but i think it changed us because i said i'd be the first AEW world champion and i lost i lost a pack and then it started to feel like i lost a lot more i lost my confidence i lost my friends and it felt like i lost myself 
And the one thing he didn't lose, though, was these people who were chanting cowboy shit every single week. And that was real to him. And now he's seen that cowboy shit is him making new friends and putting his neck out on the line for those friends. And those friends also doing the exact same for him every single time. And talked about how, like, you fall off and you felt like he had fallen off. Uh, You get back up, you keep riding. And to me... That's what cowboy shit is. And also what that is is being willing to walk away from him being on the hottest streak of his career to go see the birth of his brand new baby boy and then coming back. Like that alone was huge. And he says, like, look, I'm not a fortune teller. I won't predict how full gear will end, but I think I think you all still believe in me. And I think for the first time in my life, I do, too. And I will give you my heart soul my blood sweat and 100 percent sure probably your te- my tears but you're also gonna get cowboy shit from me it's perfect one of the great promos in aew and hangman fucking killed it and dude it's like he sold the match right there he right so- there and then he sold the match he sold what you've been waiting on he showed the delays he s- told you pretty much the reason everything happened I never seen anyone in such an effective way lay out the last storyline for the last year and a half or whatever. He sacrificed everything to come make this new company, to be the face of this company. And he failed so many times. And now he lost his confidence and he gained his confidence back. And thanks to the fans, he's finally going to reach his destiny. Come on. That's the baby face, baby face of all baby face promos. Like, seriously. Yeah, it's like, come on. If you came out of that and you didn't like Hangman, you didn't want to like Hangman. This dude, this was the most likable, lovable promo cut in, like, forever. I mean, like, I felt like going, yes, because I felt like this was... Daniel Bryan in the middle of the yes movement. I just felt like this was such a, like, I'm badass, but guess what? I have problems, too. And it was, I just wanted to hug him afterwards. I wanted to it yell. Great. I wanted to yell and cheer, and then I wanted to hug him as he got out the ring because it was perfect. I don't know how, I don't know how long ago, he been, how long he's been working on this promo, but motherfucker, it was well executed. Yeah. Now, uh, we finish things off with AEW Dynamite's main event, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish. Now, I may have been spoiled with the Minoru Suzuki match, so despite that, though, this match was also still really great. Another great way to finish off uh, AEW Dynamite. Um, Brian's just been killing it in his matches that he's been having in AEW. Bobby Fish having this match, uh, like, was also huge like he's faced sammy guevara and and uh brian danielson in his in in just like his first three matches those have been two of his matches and that's crazy to me but uh brian danielson was able to get the win with a heel hook which was also cool and uh he then also proceeded to hit uh uh like just just do really well in that match um Bobby Fish also had a lot of great uh, transitions in this match. Uh, there was a great freaking sliding lariat that he hit. Um, and yeah, this was just a really strong match too to close off the show. Um, of course, I'm more uh, I'm more uh, fond to the Minoru Suzuki match because it was just fucking insane. But this was also really good. 
anytime Brian Danielson's been on AEW, he's killed it. And I'm I'm just still so happy he's here because it's just so freaking cool that he's here to begin with. Absolutely. Um, it's it's amazing that he's here. It's like every week when I see Punk and Brian and Cole and I, you know, think about it two months ago. And like Cole, I can honestly say he fits in like such a glove. You think he's been with AEW the whole time. Uh, CM Punk just brings this edge to it. He's not even being healed, but he just brings this edge, like this rebel vibe to everything that comes with AEW. And then Brian Danielson, he's just a fucking amazing professional wrestler. Yeah. You put him in that ring, he is going to paint you a violent portrait, and you're going to be entertained. He could be wrestling Bobby Fish, Minoru Suzuki, you know, Nick Jackson, Whoever you want to put him in the ring with, he is going to entertain you. He is going to make you want to watch him wrestle, which is the point of televised wrestling. That dude is just amazing at what he does. He is a master of what he does, and I look forward to watching him do it however long he is gracing AEW with his presence. This match was another great match. Bobby Fish, amazing professional wrestler. They had the double heel hooks on each other, and they're both pulling on the legs while kicking each other in the face. I, I mean, dude, if I could put a, take a picture and say, this is professional wrestling, that moment. I wish there was a gif of them just kicking each other in the face because that's just, this is professional wrestling. Both of them in the leg lock, kicking each other in the face, trying to get one of them to let the grip go amazing professional wrestling yes and that was saturday night dynamite for this week another great show i feel like this week in aw was really strong and i i enjoyed a lot of the stuff we got on this show um and i didn't really have a ton of issues necessarily with the show except for maybe some nitpicks but even then like it was still a really great week of aw but before we get to our preview for this upcoming week of AEW. Uh, I believe we have uh, to hear from our good friend uh, Tiffany. Is that right, Floyd? Y- yes, this week, uh, Tiffany from Heart of the Lead with Tiffany. She actually did upload a new episode on October 18th. So uh, make sure you go to her page. The link is in our bio. A bio. Uh, yeah, she got us another few minutes where she recaps the roads to the top. Now we got this week and next week and then roads to the top is over after discussing with Tiffany in the night. After that, uh, what many people have asked for and I have never been consistent for is a recap of BTE. Well, cause I want to keep her on the show and I think she adds something to the show. Tiffany is going to recap BTE and the Sammy blog in one small package for all of you to enjoy every week after that, I thank Tiffany for being a part of the team. She would be on the show, but our recording times, we, we just can't match up. Me and uh, me and Austin, I work overnight, so me and Austin recording times are more closely to, you know, weird hours. So she can't actually join the show, but she does these uh, tapings for us. So she will be covering BTE and uh, the Sammy blog going forward. But for today, here is... Tiffany with Roads to the Top Review. Hello, everyone. This is Tiffany from Heart of the Elite, 
with your weekly All Things Elite Roads to the Top recap and review. Episode 5 of Roads to the Top was really special. Um, what it basically had, the three main points of this episode were um, Cody and his um, want to bring Brock Anderson into AEW with Brock's debut match and establish him, you know, as as a worthy competitor in AEW. Brandy has a visit with Teal and Michelle, Cody's sister and mother. And then the birth of Baby X, as she is known in the show, until we get the name reveal, which we all know now, is Liberty Iris Runnels. So it's a really special episode. And, you know, I would say it's one of my favorites, but they've all been kind of a favorite, to be honest. I really just love everything about this show, which is a given, but it's just really special. Um, I took some notes about the show. There's a lot that went on. Of course, I'm not going to be able to cover it all, but um, we do get some footage at the Nightmare Factory, which I think is really cool to see. Just that behind-the-scenes aspect with some of the students, um, in particular, um, Rekka and Robin, who are part of QT's advanced class, and, of course, Brock Anderson. Um, we get to see a little bit of Cody talking to Brock about that struggle of being a second-generation wrestler, which I always, you know, find that to be really interesting because I that struggle has to be very difficult for people um, because you already have your name, so you're you're almost like... You know, you've got, like they said in the show, you have a target on your back. So Cody talks with uh, Brock about that. And, you know, he kind of just says he, he's knows, he knows what he's in for. So really, you know, just a, a pretty cool segment, getting to see that, um, what goes down at the Nightmare Factory and just kind of that, that connection that Cody and Brock have. Um, you get to see a little bit of stuff with Dustin at Dynamite coaching the girls. Robin and Rekka are there um, to make their debut on Elevation. And, of course, we have Brock teaming with Cody for his debut match, um, teaming up against uh, QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Now, let's before we get to that, let's talk about the visit that Brandy has with Teal and Michelle. Um, this is Brandy's first time home in three years. Um, so she's home watching Dynamite. And Teal and Michelle come over to watch with her, which is really cool. And while they're watching, Brandy mentions about when she gets back in the ring. And that's not met with a very warm reception from Teal or Michelle. Um, Michelle's just mainly concerned about Brandy. Not really think, you know, not really ready for what she's, you know, in store for in terms of being a mom and trying to get back into shape, get in the ring and just more concerned for Brandy's well-being. Um, and just think she should wait. And then Teal just flat out is like, I, I don't even understand why you're going to wrestle again. And as always, Brandy just kind of has people coming at her from all directions. And I, I feel bad for Brandy because I feel like this happens a lot in everything she tries to do or wants to do. She has people, you know, and not just like fans on Twitter, but like people in her family coming at her. Um, Cody's family, but that is her family, you know, but just with, uh, with an opinion on why she shouldn't do it and, uh, discouraging her rather than just being supportive. But, um, but there is a really great moment where Teal gives a gift to Brandy for the baby and it's a bracelet. Um, it's a bracelet that Dusty has had given Teal when Teal was a baby. So it's a really, really special and meaningful gift. 
and um, as Teal puts it, an olive branch uh, of sorts because we know that the relationship between Brandy and Teal hasn't always been the best. So I think it's a pretty, uh, pretty nice, you know, to me, gift and, and really special and meaningful that Liberty has something of her grandfather's. So I think that's really special. Later in the episode, we see Cody get back from the road and Brandy shows him the gift and he thinks there are a lot of strings attached and that maybe Teal is just kind of trying to lay claim on being a big part of the baby's life. And and Brandy kind of reveals that, you know, Cody's kind of to blame for a lot of the uh, problems between Brandy and Teal. So I'm very curious uh, if we get more light shed on that um, next week or perhaps if we get a season two of the show. Now then, as I talked about, Brock and uh, Cody teamed up against QT, Marshall, and Aaron Solo in the debut of Brock Anderson. And that match went out very well. Um, Brock Anderson got the win and then afterwards had a really special moment with his dad. And uh, you could tell how much it meant to Cody to be there and watch that because he's had that experience with his own dad. So um, really, really good, uh, good moment and kind of cool seeing that behind the scenes stuff before the match and and get Cody's perspective of it. And just, you know, like Cody talked about, a lot of pressure going into that with Brock being ringside. I mean, Arn being ringside to watch Brock's debut match, but it went out. It all went off very, very well. Um, and of course, the the biggest part of this episode is the birth of Liberty Iris and we see that um, at the AEW Heels event, the, the uh, night before Liberty was born, Brandy was at the Heels event, our, our meetup via Zoom, which, you know, I remember very clearly because it was our 80s night and Brandy flat out told us she might have to leave early because she was pretty sure she was having contractions and sure enough she was and Libby was born the very next day. So I just always have to put over Brandy because what a queen, what a boss lady. She's in labor and did not miss our heels meetup. It's just amazing. <laughs> she is quite the uh, remarkable person and I have so much respect for her. So Cody um, and thankfully is home for the birth of Liberty Iris and around 1.17 in the morning, him and Brandy head to the hospital and Cody kind of takes us through the night with, you know, little updates here and there, just of taking video on his phone um, Brandy gets her C-section very early that next morning and Liberty Iris joins the world. We hear Libby crying. Um, Brandy says hearing her cry was the best moment of her life. And we get to uh, hear from Cody who tells us that he, you know, he never thought he would be a father and uh, he just gets very, very emotional uh, talking about Liberty and having a family. And it's just such a really wonderful, heartfelt moment. And it's it's um it's special that we get to be a part of that and i can't thank cody and brandy enough for opening their world to us um cody thanks brandy in in the uh post inter you know interviews where they're talking to them and has this kind of sappy moment of thank you for make you know making me a dad and then and brandy goes to give him a high five and it's just funny cuz cody's like oh we're we're doing a high five and just a, that dynamic between them cody being that sap and brandy just being brandy and it works and they are just very very much 
perfect for each other. And I love that dynamic. Um, it's really wonderful. Um, next week, we are actually already to the season finale of Roads to the Top. This is going to be on Saturday, of course. We have Dynamite Live from Orlando on Saturday, followed by the season finale of Roads to the Top. I will be back with a recap of the finale, and I really, really hope we get a season two. I'll talk to everyone next week. All right. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for that little review of Roads to the Top. And be sure to check out Heart of the Elite. Floyd, where can people find Tiffany and Heart of the Elite? You can find Tiffany at her page at All Elite Tiffany. And you can find the Heart of the Elite at, uh, as I try to type it, at Heart of the Elite. Okay. She did get the whole thing. So at Heart of the Elite. So it's super simple. Heart of the Elite is at Heart of the Elite. Tiffany is at All Elite Tiffany. Make sure you're following both, watching her videos, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and support her, and, of course, listening to her reviews every week. All right, there we go. Now we'll get into our preview for this upcoming week of AEW Wrestling. Once again, we're going to have another Saturday Night Dynamite. So we'll start off with the matches announced for Rampage this Friday. Orange Cassidy is going to go one-on-one with Powerhouse Hobbs of Team Taz. Anna Jay and Britt Baker will be facing each other in a non-title match. We are getting the second match between Pac and Andrade. So we're getting Pac Andrade too. And we're going to get the announcement of what the title bracket will be for the TBS Championship and that is AEW Rampage. When we get into AEW Dynamite on Saturday, we're going to have the one of the tournament ma- two tournament matches for the uh, number one contendership for the AEW World Championship. Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston and Dustin Rhodes versus Brian Danielson. So we'll get those first round matches for the tournament. And then already we're getting Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes, their third match. So that's what we have announced for this week in AEW Wrestling. Yes. Um, like I said, think Malachi Black and Cody's a little too early, but we'll, we're going to see. We let it play out. Big on letting it play out. Archer versus Kingston is going to be a fight. Um, Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes. It's going to be an amazing professional wrestling match. Don't go in there looking for anything other than that. That's what it's going to be. Uh, Pac versus Nanadarde 2. It was taped last Saturday, and I've heard it's in the best match in the history of uh, Rampage, uh, but might be the best match on their televised history. So we're going to see. Okay. Britt Baker versus Anna Jay. And then OC versus Powerhouse Hobbs in the first round of the uh, tournament match. And that's cool that it was taped because I was really worried that we might be losing them off the cruise. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, that I mean like there's just a lot to look forward to with this week in AEW and I am I'm just excited. First off, I'm excited to know who's in the TBS tournament uh for the championship. I'm excited to know who made the cut. And um yeah, they're just the bracket matches that we're getting for the AEW uh world title uh tournament uh for the number 1 contendership. The first round matches that we're already getting are insane, so I'm already all for that. So I'm I'm excited to see how these stuff how this stuff turns out, and I'm also exa- get excited what path they exactly go for with Malachi Black Cody three because I mean with it happening so quickly already I'm I'm wondering what they're gonna pull so we'll see what that is, but 
In terms of other news uh, around the AEW, uh, around AEW, um, this isn't related to AEW, but this is related to the Kanza, I want to say. And then Floyd, if he has any other headlines he wants to talk about. But uh, congrats to the Cons. The Jacksonville Jaguars finally won a game. And uh, they won in London, and they got a win. And it's their first win in 20 straight games. And Trevor Lawrence got his first NFL victory as a starter. So... It has nothing to do with AEW, but it has to do with the Khan family. So, hey, your team finally did something. Congratulations. Bang, bang. And guess who bet on the Jacksonville Jaguars? That would be a you. Yes, let me tell you why I bet on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I knew they were eventually going to win, so I was going to bet on them every week until they won. Yes, and listen, Miami, I'm, I'm sorry. It's. Ugh, man, we had so much hope for y'all. We had so much hope y'all could do shit, and you didn't do it. They lost. They lost basically a home game to Jacksonville. You know that's what I'm saying. I mean, Jacksonville is at home in London, so they lost. It was going to happen. It was going to be somebody. And, you know, it, unfortunately, it was them. Same way, it's got to be. It's got to be the same way with the Lions. I pray. Yes, somebody is going to lose to the Lions, and everybody's going to be like, "Oh my God, the team sucks for losing the Lions." But it's football. Eventually, everybody loses. It's just the way it is. It sucks for Miami, and especially after the amazing season they had last year. You know, sometimes you go to the young guy a little too quickly, and. Tua Miley, you could have used another year sitting down. Fitz Magic was great, you know. Well, he got hurt though. Yeah, Fitz Magic was great, and I, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done. It's just you. You seem like you, you could have built on the momentum last year, but what happened is last year was a COVID year, and the COVID yeah. year bought bought people a lot of false sense of security. When everyone got a year of working out together. And, uh, you know, getting prepared for this season, you have seen it look differently. It is it is expected. I have felt the effect as a member fan of the Chiefs. Uh, this is the year everyone caught up with our offense. And it's fun. But, again, that's football. Sorry about that. Congr- stop with congratulations to Tony Khan and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the only thing that I can say about as far as news yeah, Tony Khan it has been uh he's he he's dove into this war thing. Oh yeah, he is now loud ever since yeah, uh yeah. Well ever since uh SmackDown extended themselves a little bit. Uh, yeah, he has he has not been uh shy about his uh just go to at Tony Khan on Twitter and just enjoy. He has not been uh, shy. Uh, Cody put murdered someone on Twitter today. Oh, uh, that was bad. And, that, was bad. <laughs> that guy That guy got set up to die. Yeah, I love when Murder Cody comes out to play. Uh, it, it reminded me of the 8 Mile rap. Let me tell you everything you're about to say. <laughs> That's what, you know, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I know I know <laughs> everything this, this man's about to say against me, yes. Yes, it, it was just, and then Cody just, you know, dismantled him. And I love it. I don't like when people go at Cody, but I do love when Cody just has enough and just breaks them down to their bear. Exactly. <laughs> their bear exactly. soul. I always said that's why he would be a good heel because it, it was, it's truly a heel promo, but he doesn't, he says it in such a way that, oh my God, it's great. But uh, yeah, but as far as news, there's, there, there wasn't a lot of news. The Series 7's AEW figures came out. 
uh, Duluth, uh, Georgia, I told you about. Everybody say happy birthday to Tiffany on December 1st. And the Jericho Cruises this weekend, I will have tons of pictures, videos, and reports from the show. But there was not a lot of quote-unquote news from AEW this week. Yep, there you go. But that, I think, will wrap us up on this episode of All Things Elite. Once again, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in every single episode. And continue to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating, a review, leave a donation through Red Circle, and follow us on Twitter at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show possible, so be sure to follow them and check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter, and it is 2.30 in the morning for me, so I am getting some sleep after this, so Floyd... Do me a good solid and take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. I need everyone listening to this to send me their positive thoughts, prayers to your favorite deity or whatever that this boat trip goes super smooth. I've never been on a boat for this long, so this is going to be an adventure. So I am really asking for your thoughts and asking for your thoughts and or prayers, whichever one you do. I would like to uh, thank everyone that has listened to one minute, one second, one hour of the show. Please share it with your friends. This is very much a passion project for me. We don't have any Patreons or anything like that. We just do it because we love the AEW. And lastly, I leave you with the thing I always leave you with. Whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. 